What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. NASDAQ now negative on the day, down four points, a drop there of 0.1%. The S&P 500 index has gotten within 1% of a record. Right now, the S&P is at 2112, the record on the S&P 2130. It is up by two-tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 30 again. There of two tenths of one percent. The tenure up seven thirty seconds, the yield one point seven one percent. Gold lower little change down just thirty cents, twelve forty seven an ounce. Crude oil fifty forty seven for a barrel of West Texas intermediate crude. It is up one and a half percent today, building on yesterday's gains. Brent fifty one fifty one for a barrel of Brent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It's time now for the ETF report. It is brought to you by VanEck Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit VanEck.com slash muni. VanEck, access the opportunities. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the ETF report. There's a new class of ETFs that's taking the industry by storm. What we're seeing now with low-volatility products is what we saw two years ago with currency hedging. It is the flavor of the month. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Baltuna says an example is USMV, or the iShares Edge MSCI Minimum Volatility USA ETF. It's attracted $5.4 billion so far this year, putting it in the top five in terms of inflows. The reason? Baltuna says there's fear in the market. And this product basically is a minimum volatility product. So it basically gives you S&P exposure, right? So you get large cap stocks, but it is designed in a way to give you less volatility. So it's about 20% less the ups and downs. It's basically like taking the edge off of the market, or it's like a Diet Coke version of the market, um, in that you get to participate in some of the upside, not all of it, but you get less downside. Baltuna says low-volatility ETFs are now big business, with about $25 billion invested in about 35 low-volatility products. That's your Bloomberg ETF Report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. We're broadcasting live from Pershing's Insight 2016 conference at the Hyatt Regency in Orlando. Getting ready to take a look at the markets today broadly, as we do every day around this time, going into the market close. Ralph Studley is joining us now. He's head of investment strategy for BNY Mellon. He's based in Boston, and of course, he's here in Orlando today. Ralph, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, a big part of what BNY Mellon does, Pershing, this this very powerful uh, organization, many services, all kinds of things provided to, provided to investment advisors, but of course, one of them is just market intelligence, a sense of trends, where things are going. You started out as a, a muni bond trader. I did. You know about dealing with volatility, which is investors have been dealing with that in spades this year. What, what, 
what would you how, how do you start with the volatility where we are and where we're going yeah i think you know it's it's certainly an interesting topic and in, in one that's on everybody's minds myself and my team we have a unique position within this you know massive organization that you talk about we we have a a unique little investment management business that has about 1.6 trillion in assets under management. We're actually the seventh largest and that's comprised of 13 investment management boutiques. So we have the ability, my team and I, to sit in the middle of all that and listen to, you know, a lot of really smart portfolio managers, a lot of really smart market strategists and economists talk about how they think about volatility and then it allows us to go out and position that overall holistically to our clients. So when I think about volatility, uh, when we think about volatility, our biggest concern is how do we take that out of portfolios today? How do we prepare, prepare clients for things that they may not necessarily be prepared for? A lot of clients tend to have a significant U.S. bias. A lot of clients tend to have forgotten maybe what 2008 did to their portfolios and what a significant market turn can do to your overall glide path. So we're, we're very concerned about talking to them about those types of events and how they can hedge or position themselves uh, to, to weather those events or weather those storms. Is there a behavioral finance component to all this in the conversation? I think there certainly is. There certainly is. Is there's there's certainly a component of, of people, uh, you know, feeling comfortable with certain things. You know, you, you mentioned muni bonds. Uh, you know, for there's plenty of muni bond investors out there that uh, that are afraid to get away from municipal bonds because it's what they know and what they love. And we've been telling people for years that you know interest rates are going to rise and bonds are going to work against you, but that hasn't happened yet. So there's certainly a behavioral finance component of how people invest and and getting them to think. More more broadly about how to manage volatility. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so since you are at heart a bond guy, let's yeah. take a look just at, at the at the at the broadly where bond yields haven't haven't gone. Four or five years in a row, the Fed was supposed to start moving, and then we'd have bond we'd have that ten year benchmark Treasury note up around three percent easily. Well, guess what? Here we are, 2016. Once again, it hasn't happened. What is your sense of where the where the risk and reward lies in the bond market right now? Yeah, I think you know th- there's certainly there's certainly the reality that we're going to be facing a rising interest rate environment at some point. It's just a matter of when, right? The market doesn't seem to think that the Fed's going to do anything in July, in June, excuse me, and, and less likely in July. That's mostly because of there's no scheduled press conference. Um, but Yellen's comments yesterday give us some, you know, belief that we'll most likely see something this year. And there's a lot of, you know, people out there that believe we'll see one or two rises. I don't think it's going to be dramatic and we're going to see the, you know, the 10 year go from Celta 2 to over 3. But I do think it's something that investors need to be aware of. I think the beautiful part about the bond market, though, is it's not correlated globally anymore like it used to be. So there's plenty of opportunity outside the U.S. in good quality credits to get, you know, diversification away from the potential monetary policy risk that we have here in the U.S. So, you know, while I think, you know, our, our rise will be slow and steady, I do think that there is opportunity out there. What about opportunity in alternative assets, assets that are not correlated either to the bond market or to the equity market? And I keep thinking, for example, of things such as annuities and insurance Mm -hmm. and other elements of a portfolio to plan for retirement. Yeah, I mean, retirement's a big component, something that we we spend a lot of, you know, spend a lot of time worrying about. You know, when we look at, you know, the majority of U.S. investors, half actually have not saved the proper amount for retirement. When we look at, you know, pensions and, and endowments, most of them are unfunded. So there's certainly a, a huge focus now on looking at alternative sources of return. Um, for you know, for, for two reasons. One is to insulate those portfolios so you can stay on the correct glide path and look for alternative sources of return. 
I think the key to that, though, Pim, is, is manager due diligence, right? It's not just the asset class itself, but who's investing that money for you? How have they done uh, through somewhat volatile markets? Have they stayed the course in terms of what their direction is? If you have a real return strategy that, you know, is looking to get you, you know, cash plus 3 or 4%, have they returned 12 13% in certain years? If so, maybe that's not exactly what you're looking for. So there's a lot of manager, due, a big manager due diligence component of that. I want to come back to this point you just made about opportunities outside the U.S., high-quality credits offer more yield because if you just look at the sovereign, look at the government bond yields around the world, uh, they're low and uh, just about negative mm-hmm. in some cases, right? Uh, Brazil, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the bench, their benchmark ten-year government's at five point three percent. Where are you and your team looking for value? And again, are you looking not just at a country, but at a sector like investment-grade corporates, for example? Yeah. I, so just to be clear, I mean, we're not investing my team and I, right? So you know, I would look to our 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 our, our portfolio managers on our teams at some of our boutiques for more specific comment there. But what I will tell you is that less about the yield and more specifically about the monetary policy and the environment, right? So, you know, Australia is a perfect example. They seem to be going in a little bit of a different direction than us. They tend to be, you know, to be easing. And as a result, you know, that'll be somewhat more beneficial to the fixed income market, similar to what we've seen here in the U.S. for the past several years. So when I talk about opportunity, that's more what I'm thinking through. Japan, Australia, peripheral EU based on the ECB. You know, those are places where we tend to see our fixed income managers with global lens, with a global lens looking more uh, proactively. We are here, obviously, at a, at your conference, Insight 16. You've got over 2,000 investment professionals uh, here. Is the conversation more about volatility, or do you believe it really is the subtext is, I can't live on 2%, so you've got to give me more, and as a client, you're probably not going to tell the complete truth, which is, oh, yes, I can stomach lots of volatility if you get me the return I want, except when that doesn't happen. Yeah. You, are you going to make me pick one or the other? I, I, <laughs> well, I mean, you can pick, you can you can do both. But, I, yeah. but from a professional perspective, because it's as much about educating the client as it is about having the information as, a, as an advisor. What I would say is I think those two things go hand in hand, Pim. I think, you know, there, there's certainly a concern from clients that I can't live on this, but, you know, so let's find something else for me that I can live on. But you have to be willing to have that really difficult conversation with a client in terms of what taking more risk means to you, what it can do to your overall portfolio, what it can do to your ride, or at least the perception of your, you know, your investment, uh, the, your, your investment return. So I think those two things go hand in hand. I would say, you know, I spend the majority of my year traveling around and talking to financial advisors at times, talking to their clients. I think um, while the sh- search for yield is important, uh, volatility is a big concern for people. People do not want to, you know, 2008, while it's, you know, we, we've had a relatively, well, it hasn't necessarily felt great, a relatively reasonable ride since then. It's still very much in the forefront of people's minds, and I don't think anybody wants to experience that again. So you do see people willing to give up some yield because of all. Thanks very much for spending time with us. Uh, Ralph Studley is the head of investment strategy at BNY Mellon. Thank you for being here, and thank you for having us. We are broadcasting live from Pershing Insights 2016 conference at the Hyatt Regency in Orlando, Florida. And this year marks 18 years of insight, 18 years committed to the success of advisors. And we are here with over 2,000 financial professionals from all over the globe. We're going to take you through to the close on Wall Street now. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.
What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.